0: Back in 2010, when we went through the process of creating a vision, a 2020 vision for our church, we decided to do something quite out of the ordinary for this sort of process. We did all the normal things that organisations uh, go through when they come up, you know, with, with a vision statement. They, they have a, a sort of statement of purpose. Uh, they they come up with aims. They come up with a statement of goals. You know, what are we trying to achieve in what sort of time frame? Uh, things that will push us and pr- help us to prioritise and plan. We did all of that, but we added something unusual to our vision, which very few other organisations have done, and surprisingly, no churches have ever done, as far as I'm aware of, and that is we created a prayer for ourselves, the St Barnabas Prayer, which we started looking at last week. Adam took us through the first parts of it. Uh, why a prayer, though? Why put that in in a vision statement? Why do we think it mattered enough to, to put in the effort to come up with a particular prayer for our church? Well, here's three reasons that uh, we've come up with. One, because we are dependent on God for all things. And we want to remember that lest we become arrogant. We, we rely on God. Everything we have in life Whether it's in our homes or in our community, in our organisations or even in our church, we only have because God has provided it. He made the world and he sustains everything day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment. Every part of our lives is in God's hands. The reason the sun rises every day is because... God keeps the world turning. The reason we have food to eat is because God has provided it. The reason we have a church with property and buildings and facilities is because God has provided it. Yes, our forebears worked hard and they left us a legacy. And yes, we've worked hard and we've contributed ourselves to providing and to building. But in the end, everything we have as a church is because God has given it. God has provided it. So it's right for us to pray together, to acknowledge that and to show our dependence on Him and to pray for our continual provision from Him. The second reason we wrote a church prayer is because the particular things that we're aiming to do together as a church, what our vision is, what our goal is, what our aims are, and they really are impossible from a human point of view. They are spiritual things. We can organise great events. We can learn tracks. We can build the most spectacular toilet block known to humanity. But none of that can change a person's heart or change them fundamentally. Only God can do that. We want people to uh, come to know and trust Jesus as Lord and Saviour and grow His disciples. We're on about making disciples who make disciples of Jesus. We want to see everyone presented perfect in christ uh and uh but it's only the father that can do that work who can call someone out of darkness into the light and who can make that light then shine out through their lives it's only the son of god jesus who can save it's only the holy spirit who can melt a heart of stone and mold it and shape it into something beautiful and wonderful and yes god does that work through his people as we hold out his message, his word of life in the gospel, we are ambassadors for Christ, we are representing God, we share his message, we're fellow workers of God, but we can only even do that in his strength through his power, and so we've got to pray. The third and final reason that we have a church prayer and included in our vision is so that we can keep reminding ourselves of what is most important and keep focusing on what matters to God for us. We can pray for anything and anything, anytime we want. Whatever we're concerned for, whatever we need, we can pray for car spots when we go to MacArthur Square, we can pray for our children, for their HSC results, we can pray for anything. But as we grow towards maturity as God's children, as we're shaped and nourished by God, we, we learn to value what He values and we learn to pray for the things that are his priorities, things that he says that he wants, and he says, ask me for your kingdom come, your will be done. When Paul wrote to the Colossian church, uh, they were Christians, he had never met himself, he'd heard about them through his friend Epaphras, I'm sure he'd heard of their many needs, the, the members of the church who were sick, the the building project frustrations and delays, the pastoral issues they might have encountered. But what does Paul tell them that he's praying for them constantly? Colossians 1 verse 9, For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. Okay, what's he praying all the time for them? We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you might walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened in all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. The Philippian church they were a church, we know what their issues were, they were facing severe persecution, members were worried about being arrested and losing their livelihoods, uh, they had infighting, uh, two of the key ladies in the church were uh, couldn't get on, they were at each other's throats all the time, but what was Paul's prayer for them as a church in Philippi? He says this in chapter 1, and I pray this, verse 9, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that You may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless on the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Same with the Ephesians, same with the Thessalonians. The things that you pray constantly for all the time are the things that you most value. Right, The things that you find yourself praying for all the time are the things that are most on your head, the things you most value. And so prayer, when you pray the same things over and over, it crystallizes what matters most. And so our church prayer is shaped by the things that we have agreed on are the most important things that God wants for us. So that we can call on God together as one about these things over and over again constantly so they crystallize themselves in our thinking but we also we're, these are the things we really want god to do in us you know lots of other things that we might pray for from time to time but this is really what we want god to do in our church now adam took us through the first section of the prayer last week that god might glorify himself in us and he might grow his kingdom in this area as we seek to make disciples who make disciples of jesus and we prayed, and Adam took us through this, that we might have a certain disposition, a certain character as we go about our work, full of grace, patience, love, and confidence as we go about this disciple-making process. But it's the final part of the prayer that we're looking at today that really sums up our values, what it is we think we need to have to be more and more effective as Christ's ambassadors as his representatives, as his agents. For that is what we are. We are ambassadors of Jesus who go with his message and you can be a good ambassador, you can be a terrible ambassador, but what will make it a good one? Well, four particular qualities that we think that, that, that don't come naturally to us, that we want God to develop in us, that are, are extraordinary things. And when you come together, really help you to be a great ambassador for Christ. And so what are the four qualities? Our prayer, make us prayerfully dependent, biblically sharp, thoroughly equipped and sacrificially loving ambassadors for Christ. We're just going to work through those four things. Number one, prayerfully dependent. Imagine that you had a teenager in the house, a 17-year-old, let's say, but this is no ordinary teenager in fact, this, this particular teenager is extraordinary. No one has a kid like this. Uh, and from everyone else's point of view, a great kid. One that they'd want, and they wish their teenagers could be exactly like. Now, I know it's hard to imagine, but, but this is the kind of teenager, this, this hypothetical one is. They, they clean their room all the time and, without being asked. And they don 't just clean their room they they clean the living room and the other rooms they they even scrub the toilet they they, they vacuum uh, they they do the dishes. No one ever has to tell them to do it they, they don 't push boundaries they don 't break curfews this This extraordinary individual off their own bat with their own money went and got. Uh, learner training for driving. They got their license. They're on their P-plates and they always drive safely. There's no question that they'll ever, uh, be booked. They, they, they drive well. They, they've taken all the precautions. They, they, in fact, when they borrow the family car, they, they always return it, uh, better than when it came back. They, they take it through the car wash. They, they fill the tent up with petrol. They don't just put the five bucks they used in. Um, they, they pay for it all with the job that they've organized for themselves. Wonderful, right? No one's ever heard of such a marvel, right? It would be a miracle if someone was to be like that. Great kid, right? Just one issue. They never talk to you. Not that they can't, but they won't. Not a thank you, not a please, not a request, not a how's your day, not a, an acknowledgement at all that you exist. They just turn your back every time you try and have a conversation. Now, now would that be acceptable? I mean, really great kid, right? But is that acceptable? No, it's not. I've yet to met a parent who would think that that's okay. Why not? Because there's no relationship. Good, strong, healthy relationships are only built and maintained through communication. I mean, the they may as well be a maid or a flatmate or something that kind of rather than a family member uh, communication and prayer is outside of the communication process with our heavenly father as we talk to our father we we thank him we praise him we ask for what we need we we apologize to him we ask him for wisdom in our reading in 1 Thessalonians 5 Paul says in verse 16, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You want to know what God's will is for your life? Lots of people want to know what God's will is for their life. This is it, right? To be a man or a woman of prayer, full of joy and thanksgiving to God, but but constantly talking to him, asking, praying constantly. That That doesn't mean... Yeah, praying constantly doesn't mean never stopping to do anything else like breathe or eat or anything like that. Uh, it's not saying you'll do nothing other than pray, but, but pray regularly, pray all the time. Not occasionally, not just when we happen to remember and not just in emergencies when we're out of our depth or desperate or run out of other options, but constantly. What might prayerful dependence look like? If it was to describe us. Well, here's some questions to reflect on. Is your, is your first thought in the morning to commit your day to God? Is your first thought when you're stressed out and anxious about something to, to turn to God to help you with it? Is your first thought when you think about a, a non-believer that you are acquainted with or about to meet or associate with, is your first thought to pray to God that this interaction we're about to have might be useful and it might point them towards Jesus and they might, they might come to know him. Is your first thought when you're about to encounter another believer or you're going out to morning tea at church to think, well, to pray to God that, that our interaction might be something that will be useful in their lives, that will bless them, that will encourage them, that will push them on, grow them. When you're faced with a major decision in life, do you think you know what? I'm going to ask God for wisdom and to provide the outcome according to His will. That's what the early church did, right? When they sent off Paul and Barnabas, they they prayed, right? So this is the right thing to do. When they when they were picking the, the extra possible, what they did, they prayed. Um, that they didn't always know what to ask for. Are the great heroes of faith, any of them, the New Testament or Old Testament. They didn't always know what to ask for and sometimes what they wanted and asked for wasn't what God had planned for them or he had something better or bigger in mind than what they asked for. But they all prayed constantly and God did amazing things because they prayed. Moses, David, Daniel, his mate Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, the Apostle Paul, even Jesus himself, God become man uh, he made sure he was spending time with his heavenly father each day in prayer. He would withdraw from the crowds. People were begging him to do things, you know, useful things, right? healing people, helping, teaching, whatever. Uh, but he would withdraw and say, no, this is more important than that, is to go and spend quality time in prayer with my heavenly father. And maybe you think about your own prayer life and you don't even know how to start, where to start. Uh, Maybe the first step is just to write in your diary or have an alarm on your phone to carve out a space each day to start praying. Alison has started uh, getting up a bit earlier than she regularly would and going and sitting in the backyard to pray and read a Bible and play with the dog, right? They all happen at the same time somehow. Uh, Maybe you think, well, I don't know what to pray for. What would I pray if if I booked in that time? Or maybe you need some prompts. To help you to know what to pray for, uh, there's a great little app for your f- smartphone uh, called Prayer Mate, which really helps you do that. Uh, the old-fashioned version of the same thing is like a card, index card, like a recipe box. Right, just put the things in you want to pray for, and then just cycle through them. Right? Uh, later on today, David's going to give us uh, a resource to really help us get started, particularly in being prayerfully dependent ambassadors. For Christ, so a little tool to help us remember just a few people we can regularly pray for that God would work in their lives. So that's prayerful dependence. The second quality is biblically sharp. That is, we know God's word deeply and intimately, not just a bit. We don't just know our Bibles with a casual acquaintance, with a few fun stories. You see, the Bible. Is God's word to us. It's, it's His part of the communication process with us. Yeah, this is how He guarantees to speak. Yes, He's communicated in all sorts of other ways, extraordinary ways at extraordinary times. He's spoken through donkeys and burning bushes and angels and visions. But the normal way, the way that God promises to speak to His people all the time for their edification growth is through the scriptures. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 14. But as for you, continuing what you have learned and firmly believed, you know those who taught you and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able, this is what the scriptures do for us, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every Good work. Here is everything that you need to be saved. Here is everything you need to know about being a mature disciple of Jesus Christ. It's all in here. Here is the ammunition you need to fight every battle. Here is the information you need to make every decision in life. Here is the revelation you need of God and of his ways. And particularly if we want to be great ambassadors for Christ, then the sharper we are with the scriptures, the better we'll be. I was reading Acts during the week and I came across Apollos in chapter 18. And fascinating bloke, Apollos, uh, really strict Jew by upbringing, pretty handy with the Old Testament part of the Bible uh, he grew up with the stories from the old testament right, uh, from his upbringing heard, heard about Jesus at one point and became a christian fantastic, wonderful, like many new believers, he was immediately fired up and he wanted to tell everyone about Jesus. He just learned his great yeah you need to know jesus you know and he'd tackle them every moment and and uh, but he didn't know a great deal, and he mucked up a bunch of stuff. Uh, pretty early on. And so an older Christian couple uh, took him aside and, well, let me let me read to you. After Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they were like, oh no, here we go. Oh, what's he saying that for? Yeah, they took him aside and they explained the way of God to him more accurately. When he wanted to cross over to Achaia, the brothers and sisters wrote to the disciples to welcome him. After he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating through the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. So all of a sudden, Apollos, right? he was a bit of a buff new Christian, just enthusiastic, but didn't know what he was talking about, got the training, became biblically sharp, got trained by this older couple, Priscilla and Aquila, and, and all of a sudden, his usefulness to God, in, in in seeing people come to know Christ and to grow as disciples, it dramatically increased. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul talks about a bunch of people in the church who are enthusiastic about teaching others about God, but he says they really don't know what they're talking about and they've ended up leading people astray. And so we're asking God to help us to be biblically sharp, not just for our own sake that we grow in our own relationship with God, but for the sake of others that we might help them come to know Christ and grow as disciples. Do you know where things are in the Bible? You know, you hear the story of Jonah. Someone the other day wrote to me and they said, "Joe, did you know that that story of Jonah and the fish that?" There's a book by, called his name, Jonah. That's where it is. I mean, yeah, Well done. Great. I'm glad, I'm glad you learned it. But, but do you know where things are in the Bible? Do, do you know how the Bible fits together? What's the kind of pattern? Do you know how it, how it all points to Jesus Christ? Because Jesus says the whole Old Testament, it points to me in Luke chapter 24, verses 40 to 48. Um, do, do you know how to find the answers to the questions you have? About life, about God, about church, about whatever. And do, do you know where to go? Do you even know how to get started? Do, when you read something in the Bible that that uh, doesn't fit in with your worldview already, or or it challenges some assumption that you have, or, or challenges something in your life and your lifestyle, do you ask God to change you, rather than just dismissing what He says? Huh? In terms of being an ambassador for Christ and a better and better ambassador for Christ, do you know where to turn to in the scriptures to, to help someone else out? Whether it be to encourage them as a disciple or to, to comfort someone or to warn them or to point them to Christ or whatever it might happen to be. Do you, would you know where to go? Do you know how to find the answers that other people have asked you and their questions and objections about Christianity? These are all the things that we can work on and work towards and things we're asking God together in our prayer to, to work in us and to help us with. That, that's a big part of what our small groups are for, to help us to learn together God's word, be biblically sharp, but also grow as we pray and encourage each other. How about joining one this year if you haven't already? Sign up. They've only just started. You haven't missed out yet. Uh, And there's some great resources around for your own personal Bible reading. If you've carved out that bit of time to spend with God, right, in prayer, build in some Bible as well. Uh, There's great short devotionals if you're never used to it, you've never done this before. Um, Devotional books to get you started like uh, For the Love of God by Don Carson or Every Day with Jesus by Selwyn Hughes. They're great. They're short readings, give you a little short passage from the Bible and Couple of paragraphs of reflection and something to pray about at the end. A great, great way to get started. Uh, if you want a bit more rest, there's, there's a Bible in a year challenges on the internet where you can, they say, read this uh, and you get through the whole scriptures in a year. There's, there's the PTC course from more College. The first one's called Intro to the Bible. Great subject. Even if you just do that one, it'll help you immensely to put the whole Bible together and see how it all it points to Christ and how wonderful it is. And just bring it all together in your head. That would be a great encouragement. There's all sorts of resources out there. Third quality, we're praying to God as a church for, it makes us this way as ambassadors of Christ is thoroughly equipped. That is, we want to be well-trained, able to do the specific areas of ministry well that we're involved in and and more than that, pushing ourselves to branch out and to try new things. Right? We'll be equipped for more and more things so we'd have a go exercising and developing the gifts that God has uniquely given to each one of us for the building up of the body as we saw over summer in Ephesians chapter 4. Thoroughly equipped means we don't want to be just hacks at what we do, not half-hearted, not half-baked, not half-prepared. We can probably all think of people who've made a hash of things because they really didn't know what they were doing. The junior soccer team who was taken by their coach caving in South America and got hopelessly lost out of their depth and then the flood hit and it got worse and worse. The engineering students who thought they could fix a flying fox. Look how that worked out. It's got scars everywhere. (laughs) And certainly when it comes to being Christ's ambassadors, we always want to be improving our skills, whether it's our general skills like skills in relating to others well, uh, listening or their uh, skills in sharing the gospel or more specific skill areas around our particular focus of service that we find ourselves involved in or, or things we want to become involved in, whether it's leading or teaching or managing groups and disciplines or, or is it serving behind the scenes, whatever it might happen to be. And it doesn't matter if we stumble or fall. I know you get nervous learning new things or being challenged or having someone critique you to move forward, but sometimes you can feel inadequate. And someone says, "Well, hey, happy you have a You I say, "Oh, not me!" But but as we try something new, it's part of the learning process that we feel that way. But think what it'll be like at the end. Think about the greats in the Bible, and how useful to God they ended up being in His service. They they all didn't start off very good at all at what they were doing. Some of them, Moses and Jeremiah. They begged God to start to send someone else because I'm useless. I'm inadequate. I don't want to do that. And look what God ended up doing through them: Peter and the apostles, a bunch of boffet blokes. They were. They spent most of their days fishing. Right, that's what they were good at. Uh, they had to do a three-year apprenticeship. Uh, and they made plenty of mistakes on the way. You can read through their life in the Gospels, but they became the leadership of the church when Jesus left and did an amazing job. Apollos got the training and became thoroughly equipped and, and made such an impact. So some things to reflect. Who are, sorry, what what are you working on currently at developing? Is it something that's going to be useful down the track in God's service that will bring him glories or are you just working on your golf swing? Who, who's mentoring you uh, in your Christian growth and service or in a, skilling you up in a particular area and giving you feedback? If you're already good at something you're doing, who, who can you pass that on to? Uh, pass on what you know to help them to develop. What do you wish you could do better or that would really help you in an area of ministry that you're currently involved in or that you may want to be involved in. They're great things to reflect on and answer. Which brings us to our fourth quality, that we are praying as a church that God will develop in us as his ambassadors, one that is vitally important, fundamental, one that will give us the drive for all the rest and will undergird all that we do. Sacrificially loving. We want to be sacrificially loving ambassadors for Christ. There have been all sorts of people who've known all the right answers, right down through church history. There have been superstars when it comes to smoothness and style. Some who seem to have all of the competence, all of the skills, uh, they, who would even say that they pray. But who haven't been characterized by love or at least not the love that we're talking about here. You think about that famous passage on love that's read at lots of weddings, 1 Corinthians 13, Uh, it's about love. But he starts off, he says, If I speak human or angelic tongues but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I've got the gift of prophecy and could understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I had all the faith so that I could move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing if I gave away all my possessions and if I give over my body in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. The the point that Paul's making there is without love, whatever else you might have going for you, no matter how impressive, how great, how wonderful it is, it is useless. But then he goes on to describe the kind of love that he means. It's not the kind of love that our society is fascinated with, which the movies seem to say is love, but it's not. It's not romantic love. It's not warm, fuzzy feelings. It's not sweaty palms and beating hearts every time the other person walks in the room. What kind of love is it that you're useless without having? Well, this kind of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, it's not boastful, it's not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Love never ends. What's he describing there? Who loves like that? Isn't that the very kind of love that God himself shows us? The kind of love that meant that he would give his one and only son to death, that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's the kind of love that Paul had for the Athenians because it was modeled on Christ's love for him and the Father's love for him that meant he could walk into the Athens and take on the whole Areopagus, all the smart guys, right, and and debate them to help them to know God. It's the kind of love that Jonah did not have. He didn't have that love for Nineveh and so he ran away because he didn't want them to be forgiven and to love God. It wasn't that he was scared of what they might do to him if he goes talking about God. It's that he he wanted them not to be with God. He couldn't stand the thought. It's sacrificial love. That's that's what God means for us to have. The kind of love that will do anything for others and in particular do anything that will help them come to Christ or grow up in christ putting ourselves out for them with time energy money putting our interests aside if it will help someone else to go and do their thing rather than our thing so that we can help them and encourage them and point them to jesus if it will help the cause of christ grow his kingdom glorify our father in heaven and save people then it's worth doing that's the kind of sacrificial love if the kindness that you show other people in your life in interaction with them doesn't cost you anything then it's probably not this kind of love. Right, it's it's a, it's a fake. Right, it's not love at all. It's not sacrificial love at least. And so that's their prayer that we would be this kind these kinds of ambassadors prayerfully dependent biblically sharp thoroughly equipped and sacrificially loving ones that's what we beg god and call upon him together to make us Now, none of us are perfectly those things all the time that's why we're praying that god might do it to us we're all works in progress but we are progressing and and all of them are the work of god in us when we are like that and so let's keep calling on our God to grow in these areas and then do everything we can to grow in them ourselves, right? Because God doesn't just magically do stuff without us trying. We pray as if that is the only thing that matters and then we do as if that is the only thing that will work. And because God loves us and answers our prayer, he works in us and through us through his strength. So let's pray this St. Barnabas together it's going to come up on the screen almighty god we ask you to glorify yourself in us please use us to bring people to know jesus as their lord and savior lay the foundations of living for you and help them grow to maturity in christ give us grace patience love and confidence as we seek to connect with our community and grow your kingdom in Ingleburn, Glen Quarry and our surrounds by proclaiming Jesus. Make us prayerfully dependent, biblically sharp, thoroughly equipped and sacrificially loving ambassadors for Christ. Amen.